the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Okay, so our text is Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will. Oh, let's read together one go. Follow me, and I will. Okay, follow me, and I will make you. You shall be made by God. Your amen is very weak. I said, You shall be made by God. Follow me, and I will make you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Let's go. Be therefore followers of God as a dear children. Somebody say, I'm a child of God. And so I follow God. Say, I'm a child of God. I follow God. Said, be therefore the followers of God as dear children. And then he tells you to walk in love in verse 2 and blah, 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 blah. All right. So during our camp, we started looking at what kind of follower must we be. Somebody say, what kind of follower must we be? Okay, so God calls us to follow him, but he also calls us to follow him in a particular way. There's a way God expects us to follow him in order for him to make us. If God is going to make us, we have to respond to the call to follow him. Somebody say, I must respond to the call to follow him. That is where God's making of us begins from. God can make you. He can make you. He has a capacity to make you. He can make you at any stage of your life, no matter how tattered your life is, no matter how bad your life is, God can make you. He can make you when you are old. He can make you when you are young. Abraham was 75 years old. God appeared to him and said, follow me, walk with me, and I will make you. And he made him. God will make you also. But how we follow him is very critical as far as God's making of us is concerned. We need to follow him and follow him in the way he expects us to follow. Amen. So we are going to continue. We've done sacrificial follower, looked at faithful follower, looked at orderly follower. We've looked at a decisive follower. Pastor already started a generous follower, which we hope to continue someday. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then last Sunday, Reverend and I all started with a humble follower. Somebody say a humble follower. Okay, tonight I'm going to teach on a humble follower part two. First Peter chapter five and verse number five to six. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6. Therefore, humble under the... That he may exalt you in due time. You shall be exalted. As you humble yourself, God will exalt you. Amen. As you become a humble follower, God will lift you up. 
Come with me to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12 to 13. Uh, I like this. One go, he says, since God chose you to be, you must clothe yourselves with tender Make allowance for each other's and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Somebody say, remember, remember. the Lord forgave you. Turn to your neighbor and say, remember, remember. the Lord forgave you. And you ought to forgive every other person. Praise the Lord. Here in Colossians, he tells us about the garment of the new man. Somebody say, the garment of a new man. When you become a new creation in Christ, there is a garment you have to wear. You can't continue to wear what you used to wear. There's a new garment. One of the instructions that is very consistent in the letters of Paul is the fact that we need to put on and put off. Somebody say, put on and put off. Say, put off and put on. Okay, so he says you are saved, you are sanctified, but you have to put on something, put off some things, and then put on some things. And sometime to come, we'll just look at the garment of the new creation or the attire or the appearance of the new creation. When you meet a person who is a new creation in Christ, there's a way he carries himself. He says, let your adorning not be the outward adorning of the plating of hair and of the putting on of fine apparel or of ornaments, but let it be of the hidden man of the heart, which in the sight of God is of a great and a precious sight before God. Somebody say an Amen. Okay, so that's what we wear as a believer. Once you are born again, your spirit is safe. But what unbelievers need to see to see that you are safe is what you are wearing. Somebody say, what I'm wearing? Yeah, what you wear. Your spirit is perfect, so you fellowships with God. But unbelievers must see something. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. So they are watching to see something. That's why they are almost always quick to point. You will see your Christian in our way. You see that? Most of the time, they can really misbehave and provoke you. And when you act up, then they say, Oh, so you're Christian. Praise the Lord. And they want to put a spin on you. But the truth of the matter is that they know that as a new creation, we are not supposed to live like them. That's why, if you're a believer and you don't know how you ought to live, something is fundamentally wrong. Because unbelievers actually know that you have to live in a certain way. Are you with me here? Once you're a Christian, there's a way you're expected to live. Unbelievers expect you to live the same. God also expects you to live the same. And God expects you to live the same because he has given you the capacity to be able to live it. Unbelievers don't know what's happening, but within you is a capacity. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Work it out. Because God is all the while working in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The reason why we need to work out is so they will see it. You see, when you go to the gym and you work out, you can look at Pastor James. Pastor James, please stand. Come here. Come here, please. You see, Pastor James, his muscle is not so uh, there. You can't see it. This is not a muscle person. But you see, Pastor James has a potential for muscles. When it begins to work out, it will be visible. How many of you believe that? Yes. How many of you believe that? <laughs> but you see, when you begin to work out, the capacity which has been dormant will now become visible. And that's how the Christian life is. 
when we begin to work out what God has already worked in us, then it becomes obvious to the outward man. And then we begin to live the life God has ordained us to live. So Colossians tells us that we must put on. Somebody say we must put on. Colossians said that we must clothe ourselves, verse 12. Since you are God's chosen people to be holy, he loves you, you must clothe yourself. Somebody say, I must clothe myself. Uh It is not something God does for you. You are the one who does it. You are the one who does it. A lot of people are expecting to look beautiful, but they are not prepared to go to the saloon and sit for hours and then have their hair done. They are not prepared to look at the mirror, take a shower, and then wear something, no, it will not just happen. You can't just wish to look nice. Am I communicating here? You have to do something to look nice. And he says, if you are going to look nice as a believer, you must put on clothes yourselves. And he tells us a number of things you need to wear. One is tender mercy. Somebody say tender mercy. Tender mercy. Tender mercy. Kindness. Humility. And we are focusing on humility. So I don't want to get into the others. But Understand that there's a garment God has for you to wear as a believer. Somebody say, I have a special garment. Which is different. Which is unique. Alright, so that's it. And one of the garments you must wear, and I must wear as a child of God, is the garment of humility. He says, be clothed with humility. Wait. Wait. And when you wear it, people will see Christ in you. May people see Christ in you. Last Sunday, personnel walked us through what humility is from a dictionary perspective, from the biblical perspective. And then he went ahead to establish two reasons why you must be clothed with humility. One, we said it helps to follow, helps you to be a good follower. Somebody say a good follower. Uh And the spirit of followership, if you are going to follow, you have to be humble. Because if you are going to follow, you'll be given instructions. And if you will not listen to the instructions, you can't follow. You can't go to the a clothes designer and say, I want to learn from you. And then he gives you instructions that you are not willing to follow. There are some people, while they are being taught, they are showing off what they know. Instead of listening and paying attention, it's like you are doing world rounds with your consultant and then you are pushing a lot across. Very soon, he will let you know that he came before you. Am I communicating here? The same thing. If you are an apprentice in a shop, you have to learn to listen to your boss. If you can follow him in humility, you will pick the skills. Some people come into a shop, they want to do business with you, and all of a sudden, they just want to assume and flow at your level. It doesn't work like that. You have to be humble and follow. Somebody say follow. 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 It takes humility to follow. If you are not humble, you can't follow. The Bible says in Psalm 25, verse 9, he said he leads the humble. God does not lead the proud. He leads the humble. He leads the humble. He leads the humble. He leads him in what is right. And the humble, he teaches his way. God does not teach anybody. He teaches those who are humble. Those who put it to work. The more I study some of these things, the more I begin to know who I should invest my time in teaching. Yeah, because I want to be an astute follower of God. So the way God does it is how I want to do it. God teaches the humble. If I'm looking for somebody to teach, I should look for one who is humble, not one who feels he knows it all. I will not waste my time on such. And sometimes when he makes that statement, some people feel uncomfortable, but that's what is the truth. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you don't have to waste your time on somebody who does not value what you are putting across. The Bible says, cast not your pearls before swine, neither unless they trample it underfoot and spoil you, turn and rend you. 
So it's important. God leads the humble. So it takes humility for followership. Somebody say humility. humility. Yeah, because to follow, it simply means that you don't know the way. What you are saying, you have to convince yourself that you don't know the way. And all of us, we feel in charge. We feel okay. We feel fine when we are in charge and we seem to know where we are going. But when you are following God, you don't know the way. And a lot of people can't follow God because they always want to know everything. Tell me everything from point A to point B. God doesn't lead people like that. He will just tell you, one, you are Joseph. He will show you a dream where everybody is bowing to you. And he won't give you further interpretation. He just leaves it out there. And you need to work that out. Step out in faith. And then as you step out in faith, that things become very clear. Abraham, take your son, your holy son, and go and sacrifice him. He could tell him specifically, go. When you go, there are three mountains there. There's one called so, so, and so. But no, no, he didn't. Abraham, take now that son. He's watching humility. Whether he will take the first step. So until the first step is taken, God will not speak again. Am I communicating here? It's important. A lot of us are waiting for God's direction. But the first thing he told us, we have not done it. We have not done it. You are expecting a breakthrough from God. God gave you a specific instruction to give a seed. You have not done it. Honor him with your first fruit. You have not done it. And you are trusting him, speaking. And No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. You see, if you must hear the voice of a spirit, you must first learn to listen to the voice of the word. Somebody say the voice of the word. I'm telling you. The Holy Spirit will not speak to you unless you are somebody he can speak to through the word. If God can't get you through his word, forget it. He won't waste his time on you. Because the word is the clearest form that God speaks to us. And when he's able to speak to you through the word, get your attention through the word, he can now come in and speak other things to you. May you hear the voice of God. May the Holy Spirit guide you. Can somebody shout a better amen? amen. So true followership is impossible without humility. Then we also talked about the fact that it enhances fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. Fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. fellowship. Now, if you are going to have fellowship with people, humility is critical. Humility is foundational. You cannot. The Bible says in Psalm 138, verse 6, for though the Lord is high. Now, look at this. <laughs> this scripture. For though the Lord is what? High. high. Yet he has respect to the lowly, bringing them into fellowship with him. Can you imagine? God can be sensed to the level of the humble. He comes to have fellowship with the one who is humble. He's high and he comes down. And you feel you are big, so you can't come down. That's why you can't have fellowship with people. You see, you are too proud to have a friend. Proud people don't have friends because proud people are easily offended. Proud people can easily let go. Proud people have ego problems that are reasonable. Proud people are too sensitive to have friends. If you look around, you don't have a friend. Check it. It's either you don't trust anybody, which in itself is an element of pride. Yeah, you don't trust anybody. You don't trust anybody. The Lord is high. He comes down. Fellowship. We can't fellowship with one another. When in the book of Philippians, it says, let this mind be in us. We should not think about our own interests. Think about the interests of others. That's how you have fellowship. You have fellowship. When you meet somebody, if you are going to have closer fellowship, you don't have to concentrate the conversation on yourself. This, that, 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 that. And when you finish, you say, I don't know, but I'm not able to. No. 
You also have to, where you meet somebody according to their energy, if you are going to win friends, you must learn to center conversations around the other person. Get to know what is going on in his life. Be interested in what is happening in his life. That's how you build friendship. And these are things you must learn to do because, you see, you can't get to higher heights in life without relationships. I'll teach on relationships that we are not done. Maybe this year, I don't know whether we'll just do this followership and foundation. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because I need to work out the foundation of relationships. The foundation of relationships. We'll come to talk about that. You need to build healthy relationships. Apart from your wife, you need to have uh, friends around you. Apart from your colleagues, you need to have friends around you. You need to have friends. Be friendly. And particularly in the church, you need to have friends. And don't take your mind too far. The truth of the matter, which personnel address on Sunday, is that sometimes people don't even have friends because they can't even forgive. They can't forgive. Because, you see, when you sign up to be someone's friend, you must understand that the person who has signed up to be your friend has signed up to offend you someday to come. Because he's not perfect. And so when he does, you must make up your mind to forgive the person before the person offends you. Then the friendship is secure. But the moment the mind is working in such a way that most people get along with others because they don't offend them. That's it. We are compatible. Of course, I'm not talking about deliberately offending. That is uh, on the other level. That means the person personally has a problem. But once you get along with somebody, these things will come up. And when they do come up, you need to learn how to deal with them. You can't live with a spouse and she won't offend you. You can't be in a church, in a service unit, and you not come across with offense. And it takes humility to do all of that. Say fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. fellowship. Now, fellowship is important because it helps you to live your ultimate life. Fellowship, 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 fellowship. Life is hard. Somebody say life is hard. And it's even harder when you don't have fellowship, people, good people to do life with. That's why God gave you a church family. Because life was not designed to be done alone. Doing life alone is stressful. The Bible says, woe unto him that is alone. It's dangerous that you are all by yourself. You're all by yourself. The other day, they went to, David tried many things to destroy Uriah. He did all kinds of things, and he wrote a letter to Uriah. He said, go and give it to Joab. The letter, what he told him, he said, Joab, set Uriah at a place and withdraw everybody from him. Let everybody be isolated from him. And that was enough to kill Uriah. The moment they set him at that place, there was nobody around him. That's how he died. That's how powerful fellowship is. The moment you withdraw, that's why when you begin to withdraw from fellowship, spiritual fellowship, you see that spiritual fire is going down. What if you say, I'm powerful? No, 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 no. You are deceived. You are deluded. That's who you are. You are deceived and deluded. You are not powerful anywhere. You are going down and down and down and down and down. And very soon, when the heat comes up, we'll know whether you are standing or you're falling. Fellowship. Yes, there's power in oneness. And God designed it to be so. And that's what humility does for us. Somebody say humility does for us. Yeah. Humility is important for followership. It's important for what? Fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. fellowship. You can't fellowship with God if you are too proud. Do you know that? Yeah, Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. To pray, it means humility. Do you know why you don't pray? It's because you know your way around. You are okay by yourself. 
you are dealing with certain challenges and you feel that you can handle it. As for me, I'm a very principled person. Once I put these laws in place, I know I'm strong. I will deal with it. Listen, by close of day, you would have fallen into the ditch about seven times. Just to see how powerless you are without Christ. Without me, you can do nothing. Except the Lord build the house of labor in vain and build it. Am I communicating here? So it's important we appreciate this. If my people who humble themselves and pray, that's what it takes. Five uncommon attributes of a humble follower. He walked us through. Humble follower thinks soberly of himself. And this particular point, when I was listening, he made a point that really, really, I felt was just right on point. He says that when you set your mind on others to be better than you, you have set yourself up to respect them. How many of you remember that? But the moment you think less of other people, you have already made up your mind to disrespect them because you don't see value in them. When you put value on people, you respect them. You respect them. But the moment, so it's our mindset. Somebody say my mindset. A humble follower is submissive to every God-ordained authority in his life. They are submissive to God-ordained authority. If you meet a humble wife, she's submissive to her husband's authority. She doesn't debate her husband over unnecessary arguments. When the husband speaks, she accepts it with humility, the same way Sarah obeyed her husband. Am I communicating here? Are you here with me? Very important. That is what it is. Submissive to authority in every area of your life. A submissive person is submissive at home, in church, at work. A humble person is willing to serve and do many a job. Somebody say a humble person is willing and ready to do many a jobs regardless of their status in life. You see, the reason why you can't think of yourself coming down to do sweep church or do this is because you're already thinking that you are somebody. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to tell yourself that those who do it, you are better than them. That's why you can do it. Are you here with me? You think in your head that you are better than them. You are too fine to be an usher. You are too fine to clean the toilet. You are too fine to set up. No, no, no. That's how you are thinking and that's pride. That is how you are setting yourself up for destruction. And then, of course, receives correction and godly counsel with the right attitude. Humble follower is not easily offended and easily let go of offense whenever it comes. Somebody say, let go of offense. When it comes, because it will come. Oh, say it aloud. Let go of offense. When it comes, because it will come. Yeah. The Bible says, it is impossible to live in the world without offenses. It's impossible. It's impossible. So, be ready to embrace offenses. Okay, so, we are working with five F's. The first one is followership. And today we are looking at foundation. Somebody say foundation. Humility is a foundation. Why must you be a humble follower? Because humility is a foundation for greatness in God's kingdom. It's a foundation. The Bible says if the foundation is destroyed, the righteous can do what? Nothing. Many people are praying for elevation. They don't pray for elevation. You humble yourself for elevation. That's it. You don't pray for elevation. Just humble yourself for elevation. The Bible said promotion coming not from the east or the west. God is a judge. He sets out one and sets up another. Humility is foundation. Somebody say foundation. foundation. Say foundation. foundation. Proverbs chapter 18 and Proverbs chapter 15 verse 33. He says, the fear of the Lord is instruction in the wisdom and humility comes before honor. Somebody say humility comes before 
That is what tells you what the foundation is. If you are going to build a house, you lay the foundation, you lay the blocks before you paint. No, so. Whatever comes before must be more important than the others. The Bible said before honor is humility. Many people want to be honored, but they are not humble. They are coveting honor. They are coveting power. They are coveting influence, but they are not humble. It's repeated twice in Proverbs. Before honor is humility. This is Proverbs 15.33 and Proverbs 18.12. The same thing is repeated. Before distraction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. You want to be honored, humble yourself. You want to be honored. You see, that is a principle Jesus worked with. He taught it and then he worked with it. Look at Mark chapter 9, verse 33 to 35. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? Because these are discussions that go on every day in people's cars, in people's bedrooms, in people's offices. These discussions are going on every day. When will I be promoted? When will I get the job? When will I become this? When will I do that? This promotion, this discussion goes on. This is a common discussion. So Jesus took interest in it because the disciples are just a reflection of who we are. They were humans as we are. And the things they talked about, they are things that we also consent as. Look at that. But they kept silent for on the way, they had argued with one another, who is the greatest? Is that not the question the word is asking? Everybody wants who is who? Who is the best doctor? Who is the great doctor? Who is the greatest preacher? Who has the biggest church? Who has the biggest this? Who is the richest? Who has the finest car in this church? Carnal questions. But legitimately so. People always want to know. Jesus called them to himself and began to instruct them. He said, he sat down and called the twelve and he said to them, if anyone will be first, the word first is the greatest, the chief. If anyone will be first, anyone will be first in your career, in your profession, anyone will be first in the kingdom of God. He says, he must be the least of all and servant of all. Are you willing for that position? If you are going to be first, the Bible says, be the least. Can you take that position? Because, and unfortunately, that is the position I realize that is the position that is most vacant. Because most people don't want it. Everybody around Jesus wanted the greatest seat. That seat was empty. The least seat. When they were having a dinner and everybody's feet was dirty, somebody could do that job easily. But nobody saw it because nobody was looking there. And most of the time, we don't look there. We don't look at things that are down. About communicating there. Because we are forfeited being up there, being great. That is what we are looking forward to. That the pathway to getting there, we ignore it. Listen, the way up in the kingdom is the way down. The Bible said, it's the same Jesus. Before he ascended, he descended to the lower part of the earth. And then God gave him a name. He was in heaven. He did not hold it tight. He left heaven, came here. And after he went back, he's been given a name above every name. That the name of Jesus. Do you really want to see promotion, elevation in your life? It begins with humility. It begins with what? Humility. That's the foundation. So humility is not only important for fellowship, it's not only important for followership, it's also foundational for greatness in the kingdom of God. If you must arise, you need to go down. Somebody say, if I must arise, I must go down. Yeah, James 4.10. Humble yourselves, therefore, and the Lord will lift you up. Humble yourself. The Lord will lift you up. God will lift you up. My God will lift you up. And the condition is humble yourself. That's it. Don't pray to be lifted. Humble yourself to be lifted. That's all. That's all. 
Jesus actually showed them the key to rising in the kingdom. It's not about praying. You can meet a lot of guys who are prayerful, but they can't receive instruction, and so their lives are in destruction. Praise God. <laughs> they can't. They ignore every wise counsel. So they just keep on going in circles. I like this. Number four, it is critical to be clothed with humility because it makes you God's favorite. How many of you want to be God's favorite? You know God has favorites? Yeah, God has favorites. God has favorites. <laughs> he has favorites. As far as his matters are concerned, the things he showed Paul, he didn't show everybody. Are you here with me? Yeah, the things he showed Paul. He picked Jesus and demonstrated that. I know that some of you who remember what Peter said, who say, God is not a respecter of persons. In every nation, neither fear of him, a worker righteousness is accepted of him. I agree with you. It is one line of revelation, but it's incomplete because the same Peter was among the few Jesus carried and went to the mountaintop. He didn't take uh, Matthew. He didn't take Luke. It was just Peter, James, and John. Those were the close favorites. They shared fellowship at a certain level. And you need to understand that God shares fellowship with certain people. Look at what the Bible says about that. Isaiah 66, verse 2. I like this. He said, I made everything. That's how it all came to be. I, the Lord, have spoken. The people I treasure most are the humble. They depend only on me and tremble when I speak. Can you imagine that? They depend only on me and tremble when I speak. Beautiful. They depend on me. There are people I treasure most. There is a person God treasures most. May you become that kind of person. May you become that kind of person. I found David myself. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. A man after my heart. There is no way a man who is after God's hand, God will relate to the same person as a man after his heart. No. No, 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 no. David was a king, he was a priest, and David was a prophet. He's the only Old Testament guy who functioned in the three offices that Jesus functioned in. Priest, king, and a prophet. Amazing guy. Amazing guy. And the secret was that he was after God's heart. What are you after? When you come to church, what are you looking for? Are you looking for God, or you are looking for a wife, or you are looking for a child, or you are looking for some business associate? Is that why you are here? They came seeking him. He said, you did not come seeking him because of the miracles. You came because of bread. And God always knows what we are seeking him for. And as long as that question is not answered properly, you will keep on going in circles. I pray that your heart will be reoriented. Your mind will come full circle. Can somebody give me a believing amen? He said there's a people. I made everything. There's a people I treasure most. Those who are humble. Those who are humble. In the book of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6, verse 16 and 17. These things the Lord hates. These things the Lord hates. Proverbs 6, 16 to 17. These things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are abomination to him. Then he begins to count a proud look. The first on the list, a proud look. A proud look. A proud look. A proud look. There are things God hates. And if you possess those ones, you can't share fellowship with him. I mean, how can you have a best friend who is anti your primary values? All your primary values, they don't like them. You like prayer, they don't like prayer. You like coming to church, they don't like going to church. You like studying the word, they don't like it. You like talking scripture, they don't like it. So how can you share fellowship with people like that? The Bible said two cannot work together except they be agreed. He that walks with wise men shall be wise. A companion of who shall be destroyed. Iron sharpens iron. That's how it works. 
So, for him to fellowship with you at a certain level, humility is a requirement. You become his favorite. May you become a favorite of God. May you become God's favorite in the mighty name of Jesus. You see, among our children, sometimes one can carry himself in such a way that you become the favorite child. You can become a favorite child. You can become. You can become. You can become. You can become. And I see you becoming. I see you becoming. Let me close with a man who was like that in the Old Testament. So that we can all be inspired to covet that position. I want to be God's favorite. I want to be someone God can trust. Trust with any amount of money. Because when he asks me to give it, I'll give it. I'm not communicating here. Trust me with any amount of power. Because any time I need to use it, I'll use it right. I'm not communicating here. It's critical. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Kali grado shadi vado segele. Imbalo zebradi vando seketi kasiba. La graduse. While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam, let's read it together. Everybody just read it together with me. Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. Not that he was dating a Cushite woman. He had married her. It was already a dandy. <laughs> they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken? But the Lord heard it. Moses didn't hear, but God heard it. Now, you must understand that God had already spoken against marrying a Kushite woman. So, they had a legitimate basis to make their criticism. But Moses had changed the relationship with God. He had gone to another level with God. Such that he could do certain things that other people could do and get away with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't get that. <laughs> Moses was in that class with God. Look at verse 3. Now, Moses was very humble. More humble than any person on the earth. That was his secret. That was his secret. He had become God's favorite on the basis of humility. More than any person. May we receive grace for such level of humility. More than any person. So humility is even in grace. More than any person. Verse 4. So immediately, <laughs> but immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, get out of the tabernacle, all three of you. So three of them went to the tabernacle. Now this is God defending his favorites. Moses didn't pray, kill my enemies. It's a foolish prayer. What you need is to be God's favorite. Is that what I've been telling you? No, no, don't waste your time. I kill them, die by fire, die by bomb, die by machete. No, 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 no. Don't waste your time and your energy. Just concentrate on becoming God's favorite. That's all. When you become God's favorite, you are a no-fly zone for the devil. Are you here with me? No-fly zone. Simple is there. Look at verse number five. Then the Lord descended in the pillar of a cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called and they stepped forward. Verse six. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. This is where I'm going to end. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself in visions. I will speak to them in dreams. Okay? Verse number seven. But not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he's the one I trust. Okay? This is God's verdict of a man. So be careful when you join others who castigate and criticize a man. Verse eight. You have to be always careful. Be careful. Careful. Careful because, you see, there are some people who have brought some predicaments on their lives because they lifted their voices and they plan certain things against people they should not. It's, not. it's not that the people have cursed them. There's a certain level a person gets into a relationship with God. When you step against them, God steps in. Automatically, it's like 
efidie ene esumu unye tia so anayi you know a trap yeah the moment you step on it it will not fail it will just catch you like that <laughs> look at this this is the intimacy favorite i'm talking about he said everybody i speak in visions and dreams but moses i speak to him face to face not in radius he sees the lord as he is so why were you not afraid to criticize my servant moses May the Lord give you understanding. Amen. Have you been blessed tonight? Yes. All right. <laughs> Stand on your feet and let's give God thanks. <laughs> Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afwakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no, no, no.